What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Our hearts go out to the innocent Israeli and Palestinian families whose lives were lost or destroyed because of the recent events in the region. This episode was recorded before those tragic events. Good morning, Roxy Soxy. Good morning, Tom. Tom. What are your plans coming up? Oh my gosh. Well, I have to rush back to Los Angeles and go to Las Vegas. Your life is so tough. <laughs> it's a hard knock life I know. For me. You're like to your husband, you're like, uh, do we have to drive to Vegas? <laughs> I was and so I was like, annoyed. you are so, like, your problems are not problems. You're like, it's like four and a half hours in the car. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, how many stops do we have to yeah. make? Like, what's happening? And you're like, we have to bring the kid? <laughs> we have to drop her off along the way? <laughs> I'm like, David, just map it out for me and let yeah. me know. Are you going to go? So we're going to Vegas. What are you going to do? I hate Vegas. I hate Vegas with a passion. <laughs> Luckily, we're going to a music festival. So we're going for another, a different reason than the casinos. Okay. But but it's still, you're still in Vegas, yeah. you know. Do you gamble? Um, I do lightly, like a you little like bit. You like start crying. You're <laughs> like, yes, I lost all my savings. I know. I'm one of those people that likes to like like throw a couple, you know, dice or kind of like get it. But as soon as I start losing, I get freaked out. And then I'm like, oh. What about when you win? When I win, I'm like. you keep spending more money? Are you a gambling type personality? So I would, okay. Like if I was winning, if I was up like a certain amount of money, I think I'd feel secure about putting more bets out. Yeah. But it would have to be like, a, you know, like I would want to feel comfortable in my, like the cushion. How much you, right, right, right. You know. I feel like when the stocks, so when my <laughs> stock, when I, I have uh, stocks and then when they go up. I start buying more, but that's yeah. not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> you're supposed you're to buy when they're, they're low. I'm like, I'm making money. Let's put more money in the stock market. And then I'll lose it a little bit and I'll be like, why did that happen? And it's like, because I bought them when they were high. Because it makes me excited when money's coming in. I'm just like, spend more money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that how you it's, feel? Yeah, it's like a nice cycle. It's like a nice cycle. So you get like, when you look at your stock portfolio mm. and it's up, you know, it's a good feeling. You know, you feel like you've invested and you're doing and something for down. your future. And then it goes down. <laughs> And then the, the recession hits, and yeah. you're like, and then what there's the a SAG strike, and then there's no brand deals, and then the podcast. Just kidding. No, this is our only saving grace. This That's is why we are in studio these yes. days, making the most out of what we got. We we are using our money maker, yeah. aren't we? I mm. love our next guest because, as I've talked about many times on the podcast, and when if you watch my social media and listen to my story, I was. I'm an overweight child, which mm. was not necessarily a bad thing for me. Like I, I always had such good body positive. I actually ate what I wanted to. I didn't even think that I was heavy. And then I got teased mm. mercilessly when I was like 13 and 14. And then I lost the weight in a healthy manner. Mm. And then I developed an eating disorder um, because I couldn't keep losing. I mean, I was I got to a point where I just wanted to stay a certain size. I also got cast on a TV show at the same time. So I was like, you know, I, I considered myself an overweight kid in my head. But mm. then I had lost weight and I was on covers of magazines. They're in like Tamman, like the ingenue. And I still didn't feel like that. And so I was so afraid to lose it because I was getting attention for the first time. So I just like stopped eating. I don't know if I told you this. I drank coffee mm. all day and half a pack of rice cakes for like a year. So you That's went literally all I ate. I ate about 400 and 400 calories a day oh. um, with vitamins because mm. I thought to myself, like, I have to have some kind of vitamins because I don't want to, like, completely ruin my, myself and my body and my hair. Um, so I had vitamins and I had half a pack of rice cakes and coffee. That's oh, all I wow. had for, for like, a year. But didn't that do something to your stomach? Because that much coffee on, like, your stomach when it's empty is – So then I developed yeah. bulimia. Okay. Because um, then I was, like, I was so hungry, right? Mm -hmm. So I would have, like, food or a steak or ice cream because then I wanted to eat. And then I would make myself sick. I remember my friend saying, you know, well, just when you eat something you don't like, just put your fingers down your throat, you mm -hmm. know? And so I – the first time it happened, I felt, like, this sense of relief because I thought, oh, my goodness, I can actually eat – 
and not gain weight. Mm -hmm. I remember so vividly, I don't think I told you this, I went to McDonald's and I just went there because I knew I was going to eat like three burgers Mm -hmm. and three fries and just throw it up in the the bathroom. Mm -hmm. And then the bulimia got so bad that I lost two teeth. I lost my stomach lining. Mm -hmm. uh, My hair was falling out, you know. And But back then, being so thin, like no one said anything. Mm -mm. Like literally no one said anything. I was 90 pounds um, for my height is really underweight. Mm -hmm. I was 89, 90 pounds and no one said anything. No one said like, are you okay? What's going on? And I was like really, really, really ill. Did you have eating issues when you were growing up? You know, I think for me, I had more of – I wouldn't say it's an eating disorder, but disordered eating where, you know, like in high school and college, like purposely skipping meals or not eating enough calories in the day just because back then I wasn't – you know, I wasn't keen to like what is healthy eating. Like I didn't know if you eat like certain, you know, types of foods Mm -hmm. together in certain increments in the day, you can actually, you know, slim down if you want or have a healthier kind of lifestyle. I think I went that route. So you did stop Stop, eating. Yeah, where I would just skip a meal or I would like have, you know, wait till dinner to eat Mm -hmm. or just kind of do things that were not good for my body. But back then... Nobody was talking about it. It wasn't as open as it is did now. Did you lose weight? I did lose weight. I never got to like a scary, scary, dangerous point. Mm-hmm. But I did lose weight from it. And it did give me, you know, that it was reinforcing right. the idea that if I keep doing this, I can lose more weight, you right. know? Right. So, you know, and I think a lot of girls feel that way. A lot of mm-hmm. teenage girls, especially, and girls in their 20s. I mean, right. really girls of any age but uh, and young women. But I think it is a scary thing that is ingrained in us. And we think, you know, thinner is better. Or, right. you know, if we lose the weight, then that's power, you right. know? And it's not necessarily healthy. You know, when no. people lose weight, you know, everyone always goes, oh, my God, you, you look so good. Mm-hmm. And they don't know if it's from – they could be going through a traumatic period. They mm-hmm. could have stopped eating. They could have gotten sick, you know? Right. But the first thing we say is, oh, my goodness, you look so good. Right. And we don't even think twice about saying it. So our next guest, I really wanted her on here. We haven't actually had someone um, of what she what she does. And, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about intuitive eating and eating disorders and um, just sort of breaking a lot of these cycles and, and um, these terms that we use that mm-hmm. I, I think we don't fully understand. And also try not to pass down our distorted eating to our kids um, yes. if we still have it. Because yeah. I, I don't think I have distorted eating, but then like I haven't had pasta in 10 years. Girl. 20 years. And you're in New York. I know. <laughs> it's, like- it's not that I don't want to eat pasta. Right. It's just I don't think about it because it's been so many years that I would be like, well, why would I just eat a bowl of pasta so when I could eat no. something else that's more <laughs> so You know good. what I mean? So so, so that, yeah. that maybe is distorted eating. Right, right. If you're holding yourself back from something you might be able to enjoy, maybe well, that is. I want is. everything. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, what part is distorted eating and what is self-control? Right. And is self-control, does that play a good role in all of this? So mm-hmm. – who do we have on Roxy? Well, we have um, an eating specialist. She talks all about intuitive eating and eating disorders and disordered eating. And I think she's going to be very informative today with us and for our audience. So without further ado, let's welcome Lauren Cadillac, like the car. the car. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited yeah. to talk about this with you guys. Is your last name yours or your husband's or your partner's? So Cadillac is actually my maiden name. Oh, I love I it. technically just changed it. You should keep husband, it. Loves it. It's you so know, good. It's like attached to my oh, brand and my website and everything. So, like, business wise, I'm Lauren Cadillac. Personal wise, I'm Lauren Barone. So, okay. okay. Oh, nice. And that's Italian? It Baron, is Italian. Barone. Yes. See, but, tell her to eat yes. pasta. I know when she said that. I was like, what? We have to go get pasta. Right? Yeah, like, I, I have some pasta in my bag so. for you right now. It's heated up. Yes. <laughs> so, let's, like, maybe just dive into, like, distorted eating and, like, why do so many of us have distorted eating patterns? And how can we – how do we – well, firstly, like, how do we recognize it? And, mm-hmm. like, the awareness is the first step, right, to, mm-hmm. to change and um, to uh, helping ourselves be better. How, like, what is disordered eating and how do we know if we have it? Also, like, what is the difference between dis- dis- disordered eating and eating, eating disorders, disorder. mm-hmm. you know? That's a great question. Mm-hmm. Well, in order to meet – there's specific criteria for eating disorders, right? Like bulimia nervosa, anorexia, um, binge eating disorder. There's specific criteria in the DSM-5 that an ind- individual needs to meet to, you know, be considered having that active eating disorder. But what's tricky is that there's so many disordered – habits that are really normalized in our culture, Mm -hmm. skipping meals, cutting carbs, counting calories, fasting, like all of these things that have kind of been 
presented as health promoting are actually kind of disordered. And up to 75% of American women actually have disordered eating patterns. So it's so common that you almost don't even notice it because it's the majority of people. Wow. Yeah. And how do you know? So when you say it's distorted eating, is there is there a problem in that? So I think a good question to ask is, does this cause me stress? Does it cause me guilt and shame and anxiety, right? Like if I was to eat a bowl of pasta, what would come up for you emotionally? Would that make you feel some type of way? Would you feel like you need to go exercise more to then burn it off or eat differently the next day? What is your response to engaging in those certain behaviors? Because I think a lot of people have these kind of like arbitrary rules that we pick up and maybe we don't even realize that we're Mm -hmm. still following them. Like I think coffee drinks are a big one. A lot of Mm -hmm. times people just like drink black coffee, maybe with a splash of almond milk, just because that's what they've always done. And if you like that, that's very different than doing it because you're afraid of the fat or the calories Mm -hmm. or the carbs in something else. So I think it really comes down to uh, your mental response mm-hmm. to these rules. Mm-hmm. Did you personally grow up with any sort of eating disorder or? Okay, yes. As you, you were telling your story, I was like, this feels very familiar. I know it's so sad. And like you were saying, it, it goes totally under the radar, especially in like the eighties and the nineties and the early two thousands. Like now it's kind of shape shifted and it's become about wellness and mm-hmm. health. But in the eighties, nineties, two thousands, it was just about being thin. Like right. no one, it's like, do whatever you can do to be thin, right? Like smoke right. cigarettes, drink black coffee, like whatever you can do to be thin. So for me personally, I, I was always a very small kid. Um, but somehow around 14, I became very obsessed with calories, ate a very little amount of calories, Mm -hmm. exercised a lot. I probably would have met the criteria for an eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And then I, I don't know if you have both noticed this, but when you are on a diet, one of the side effects is increased thoughts about food. So you kind of are always right. thinking about right. food. You always feel like you're hungry and thinking yes. about it. When's the next meal? When's the next meal? Right. What am I I'm eating lunch and I'm thinking about what I'm going to have for dinner. So I was always thinking about food. So I was like, oh, I'll go to college and I'll study nutrition so right. that I can like, this is my hobby, right? Like this is what I always think about anyways. So I went on to school to become a registered dietitian. And unfortunately, in the training at the time, it is very weight-centric, so a lot of focus on BMI and losing weight and calories, and I think that's kind of shifted to introduce more of intuitive eating into the curriculum, but at the time, it was kind of just learning about what eating disorders were rather than actually treating them. That was usually something that you had to go on for further Mm-hmm. Um, certification. So I worked in a hospital for a short period of time, didn't really love that. And then I got into bodybuilding and wow. that was a whole can of worms. <laughs> a lot of people recently that I've been in contact with, I don't know why, mm-hmm. but have been bodybuilders who mm-hmm. have now transitioned into this idea of intuitive eating yeah. and self-care for your body and this distorted yeah. eating and bringing awareness to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, what you were saying in your story where you lost weight and then you got all of this sure, attention and accolades. And people, so oh my god, yes. Well, this is the only value that I have. Exactly, like that is my worth. Mm -hmm. And as a bodybuilder, that is how you win, right? Like looking a certain way. There's no other like skill involved. It's not like a um, like a power lifter or something where they're trying to lift a certain amount of weight. Mm -hmm. It's literally just an aesthetic competition. So your worth really is tied up in how your body looks. And through that process, I developed bulimia as well. And I kind of got to this point where I was like, I look the way that everyone claims that you should look like this looks healthy, right? You have lean muscle and your body fat's low and you're, you look at quote unquote athletic, but I felt so terrible. Like my digestion was horrible. My mood was so bad. Like everything that could go wrong basically was going wrong. And I kind of just got to this point where I'm like, what, like, why am I doing this? What is the point of looking this way? If you can't even enjoy your life, you can't go out to eat, you can't travel, you can't spend time with friends and family, like, it just wasn't worth it to me. So that's kind of why my handle now is like feel good dietitian because I think at the end of the day, like that's what everyone wants. Mm -hmm. People want to lose weight because they want to feel more confident. They want to have more energy. They want Mm -hmm. their digestion to improve. Mm -hmm. Like they want to feel better and we can achieve all of those things. Not the weight thing, but the confidence Mm -hmm. and the digestion, the mood, the energy. We can achieve all of that with intuitive eating. So Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's kind of some of my my history. It sounds a lot like yours. Why does the Hollywood part, but so, so much of it? I, I, it's hard because like it says this fine line between health mm-hmm. and being healthy and wanting to be healthy and then not developing this eating disorder because I love health and wellness. Like I love my supplements and I feel better and I exercise and it helps my mood. It helps my anxiety, helps my sex life. So many things that health and wellness does do for me, Mm -hmm. but there's this little part that it does still keep me in this distorted eating space. It's like, well, if it isn't organic, not that that's really my trigger, but if it's like sugar is a big one for me, I have a problem. I don't drink. I don't do drugs. I don't, you know, I guess there's, there's not a lot. I don't do gluten. I don't do a lot of dairy, Mm -hmm. but that's more just because I have a physical reaction from it Mm -hmm. more than a distorted eating perspective. But sugar has been my Achilles heel forever. Mm -hmm. But when I have sugar, I can't even enjoy the experience of eating it because mm. the entire time I'm thinking about how terrible that is for my wellness journey, mm-hmm. for my health and being healthy. Mm-hmm. So like that's something that's a really hard cycle for me to break. And it is, it's this fine line between health and wellness that I love, but then trying not to have distorted eating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds like you're kind of sort of dancing on both sides a little bit, right? I gotta be like, careful. Like, yeah. To all in, right? Yeah. Well, it's a fine line because I think at the end of the day, like, almost everyone wants to be healthy, right? Like that's what people want. And we've been taught that sugar is bad and we need to restrict it. And a lot of times what happens is like we kind of, again, create these rules around food. Mm -hmm. And then when we break them, we Mm -hmm. eat the sugar, we then have an emotional reaction to it. We feel stressed out. And that's kind of this part of the conversation that I think gets left out where it's like, stress is not good for the body. We know that, right? Like we know like chronic stress from deadlines and work, like we know that that's bad, but I don't think we ever talk about how stressing about food is actually bad for our health too. Mm -hmm. So I would, as a dietitian, like if you, the pasta or sugar or whatever it is. dietitian, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) I would much rather you go like eat a brownie, eat a cookie in like pure bliss than have like some sugar-free version of it and feel stressed out the whole time. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. You know, like enjoy life a little bit, right? It's Mm -hmm. like, so what do you think about this, you know, everything in moderation sort of? Do you think it's like a good philosophy to live by or should we be more cognizant of what we're putting in our bodies? So I probably will have a different response than you think I will. I think that the idea behind it is well-intentioned, but I think it still kind of comes with this little layer of restriction. Mm. And with intuitive eating, this is going to kind of sound wild if this is anyone's first exposure to intuitive eating, Mm. but one of the main tenets is unconditional permission to eat. Mm. Unconditional. And what happens through giving yourself that unconditional permission is you do tend to kind of eat things in moderation Mm. because you're paying attention to how food makes you feel. If you eat nothing but, um, salad, if you eat, exactly, you eat nothing but salad, you eat Brussels sprouts and, you know, these quote unquote healthy foods, you'll probably feel really deprived. You Mm. might feel really bloated because there's a Mm. lot of fiber and the cruciferous vegetables and all of that. But on the flip side, if you are only eating less nutrient dense foods, we kind of call them like play foods. Mm. So, you know, things that are a bit more processed or like cakes or cookies or Mm -hmm. the things that people deem as quote unquote bad. If you Mm. ate those all the time, you're not going to feel vital. You're not going to feel energized. You're not going to, your digestion is not going to be great because you're not getting much fiber. So mm-hmm. in giving yourself that permission, that quote unquote, everything in moderation kind of just naturally happens. Mm-hmm. But I think using that um, phrase without the unconditional permission mm-hmm. has a little bit of restriction kind of layered onto it. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what is, so I know we're saying these words intuitively and I've mm-hmm. heard it so much in the last mm-hmm. three months. So I feel like I manifested you here, right here. <laughs> <laughs> because what exactly is intuitive eating and what are the steps that you take? Because, you know, I don't even know. I've gone to the same foods for so many years that mm-hmm. just tells me if I, you were my dietitian and you're like, hey, Tam, what do you feel like right now? I was like, well, I'll probably just have a salad, right? Mm-hmm. A tuna salad or some salmon and, you know, mm-hmm. uh, some vegetables. But I don't know. I guess I feel like banana bread. Like, I don't know, you know? Mm-hmm. So it, 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 it really, it's hard to really trust yourself and yeah. your body because I don't really know what I'm craving. Yeah. Yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. what is intuitive? What, what is it? So intuitive eating is a self-care eating framework designed to help an individual heal the relationship with food, make peace with food, get rid of the guilt and the shame, and really reconnect to the wisdom of your body. As you're saying, that body trust 
erodes over time because we start to follow all of these other rules that people tell us, like don't eat after seven, don't eat sugar, don't eat this, don't eat that. Instead of being like, well, what's my body actually telling me? Does it feel like um, I need more vegetables. My husband and I went away this weekend and had lots of food that there weren't any vegetables in. And then both of us kind of came home and we're like, wow, I really just want, you know, we made green beans and cabbage and like really we're just craving that. And then there's other times where we're like, wow, I could really go for a burger right now. Right. So it's really listening to those cues. Um, the, the framework has been around since 1995, actually. So it's been around for some time, but it's gained a lot more popularity recently, I think, because social media has kind of helped it take off. But it was created by two Dietitians Evelyn Triboli and Elise Resch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's backed by about 150 studies to date now. Mm-hmm. And there's 10 different principles. Do you want me to walk you through that? Yes. Sure. Okay. So yes. the first one is reject the diet mentality. Mm-hmm. So in that principle, we kind of go through some of the research that shows that not only do diets not work in the long term as far as keeping weight off goes, but it actually leads to weight gain for most people. I think mm-hmm. most people can probably look back on their own experience and think like, oh yeah, the first time I dieted, the weight really fell off. And then it like life happened and it came back on plus five pounds. Mm-hmm. And then I did this other diet and I lost weight and then I gained it back plus 10 pounds. And so that kind of sets us up for weight cycling or yo-yo dieting, which is actually associated with increased risk of cardiovascular disease, premature death, um, type 2 diabetes, all of these things that we're kind of trying to prevent by going on a diet, which is kind of ironic. Um, And in that principle, we kind of look at you know, how much time, how much energy, how much money, mm. how much mental real estate do you spend thinking about these things? And that's kind of a good, that would be a good question to ask yourself too, is like, does right. this kind of cause me stress or is it just kind of like an afterthought? Mm-hmm. Mm. So interesting. Wait, wait, it's 10. Oh, yeah, it's 10. Oh, I can. Oh, yeah, keep going. You can go ahead. I'll wait, take no, a breather. No, no. <laughs> keep going, lady. No, no, no. You go, you go. I was like, what is it? Nine. I've only got one step that I'm doing wrong. No, 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 no. So the second one is honor your hunger. So that's like eating consistently. um, No matter what time of the day or night, right? Yep. Honor your hunger. That's your body's way of telling you that you need food. Um, Make peace. Wait, 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 that one. Honor your hunger, but my husband and I are doing intermittent fasting. Okay. We can, we can, we can, we can circle back for that. Okay. 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 Because I don't know about that. Well, I don't know. Is intermittent fasting good? Okay. But sometimes I don't honor that if you're fasting. So... Make peace with food and challenge the food police are uh, three and four. Mm -hmm. And through those two principles, we're getting rid of the good food, bad food mentality and also challenging the rules that we have around food. So that might be time of day that you're eating. So intermittent fasting and intuitive eating wouldn't go hand in hand. Oh, no. Do I have to give it up? (laughs) One or the other. I'll explain why I like it. But yes, we'll keep going. Okay. And then principle five is discover the satisfaction factor. So a lot of times in an effort to lose weight, we kind of cut out the things that we really enjoy and we lose the satisfaction. I don't know if you've ever had it happen where you were really craving ice cream, but instead you had like Halo Top. And yes. then you're like, well, that didn't really hit the spot. And then you're like, eat something else and you eat something else. And then you yeah. kind of just end up eating more than you probably would have eaten mm-hmm. if you just had the ice cream in the first place. <laughs> um, principle six is feel your fullness. So honoring your fullness cues, that's your body's way of telling you yeah. that you've had enough. And is that like 80% full or 100% full? Comfortable fullness. So okay. we use something called the hunger fullness scale that goes from one to 10. Mm-hmm. Most people tend to be pretty familiar with starving hunger Mm -hmm. and very uncomfortable fullness. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we're trying to familiarize ourselves with that comfortable fullness. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then principle seven is cope with your emotions with kindness. So that's like emotional eating. Principle eight is respect your body. So wearing clothes that fit, talking kindly to yourself, getting away from the scale. Mm -hmm. Principle nine is movement, feel the difference. So engaging in movement because you actually like it and it makes you feel good. And then principle 10 is honor your health with gentle nutrition. So a lot of times people think that intuitive eating is like, just eat whatever you want with no regard for health. Mm -hmm. But there's a whole principle dedicated to it. Mm. And there is something, correct me if I'm wrong, with intuitive eating. um, As women sort of get older too, if they're doing intuitive eating, there's kind of a thing that says, you know, it's fine to not, I don't want to say skip breakfast, but if you're not feeling hungry for breakfast, wait until, you know, lunch or wait until a snack. And that is kind of part of it too. Like if you're not feeling the hunger, just kind of wait till you are, even if it's like quote unquote skipping a meal. It's a little nuanced because so many people have done that for so long that sometimes their cues go offline and become unreliable. So what I usually like to tell my clients is if you've been dieting, you've been restricting, eating every three to four hours to help 
re-signal to your body like, hey, food's coming. There's no famine anymore to help those cues come back online. And then from there, then that's when you can really like start to trust those hunger and fullness cues. Like this isn't the kind of framework where if someone had anorexia, you'd be like, trust your hunger and fullness cues because they're going to be completely unreliable. Right. Right. So for me, it's like I do – so intermittent fasting is something that I started with. And I do – we do try to intermittent fast in a – I try to intermittent fast accordance to my cycle. Okay. So I don't intermittent fast near my period. I don't intermittent fast while I'm ovulating. Mm -hmm. Like I only intermittent fast between 14 to 16 hours, which is like I stop eating at 7 and I start eating about 10 o'clock the next day. Okay. Um, It works for me because I do feel like I have this habit of – you know, trying to cram in food at the end of the day. And that actually doesn't make me sleep well. It mm-hmm. makes my stomach actually get more yeast and candida because there's, mm. you know, that my, the food is just kind of festering into my stomach. Um, it's nice to give your body a rest. So it is hard for me because, yes, I don't want to be, you know, having this distorted eating. But I also know that fasting really helps me because I do believe in this idea and philosophy that back in the ages, we used to Hey, I've got a question for you. Do you want to learn a new language? I know I do. I'm planning on going and visiting my sister in Spain this summer, so I am all about learning Spanish. So I'm going to turn to Rosetta Stone. They're a trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. And Rosetta Stone immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations, so you really learn to speak, listen, and think in that language. There's also built-in true accent feature that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's almost like having a personal trainer for your accent. It's so convenient and such a great value. And we have such a great deal for you guys. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Women on Top listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Fight for food. We, our husbands would, you know, back then the guys would go and like hunt for food, um, and we'd sit there and we'd eat what they've given us. And we're like, oh, only one cow today. And then you'd, you'd give your body a break. And mm-hmm. I do like that philosophy of not just always putting food in your system. And so many of these like blue zones that we've been talking mm-hmm. um, about, like on on TV right now, it's like most of those um, communities they're not just always eating. That are they do have a lot of fasting, a lot of it's like religious beliefs, and mm-hmm. they do have um, a day of of rest. And so, what do you think about fasting? When it comes, can you have fasting intuitive eating hand in hand? So, no. Okay. <laughs> Short answer is uh, no. If you were to ask any intuitive eating dietitian mm. or therapist, they're going to say no because again, it is a rule, right? It's it's. Um, an externally regulated rule because you're looking at the clock and you're seeing it's not 10 o'clock yet. I can't eat yet versus right. like, if you are you hu- having those hunger cues right. earlier? And so I totally hear you with, you know, if you eat late at night, a large meal that can interrupt sleep. And like, I'm not negating that. Um, my question might be, do you feel like you eat enough earlier? Like when you're not fasting, that is. Because what I see happen for a lot of people is they skip breakfast or they have a coffee in a bar, mm-hmm. something small, and then they eat lunch and then dinner happens and then like nighttime happens and it's like cravings or binges. And right. it's kind of this vicious cycle because they feel some type of way about the amount of food or the mm-hmm. kind of food that they ate. And so then they try to be quote unquote good in the morning and like save their calories because they think they might eat a lot at night. But doing that actually kind of sets you up to binge later on. There's a hormone called neuropeptide Y that rises and it drives your um, your carbohydrate cravings mm-hmm. and it rises throughout the day if you don't have breakfast. So 
I would recommend <laughs> eating a larger breakfast and seeing how that feels for later on at night. Mm-hmm. But obviously, like everyone's body is different. And so if you were coming to me wanting to work through intuitive eating, that would be my recommendation. But I'm not saying like everyone has to go do this. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's, right. you know. Yeah. It's also hard too because dinner is such a social, mm. you know, time for everybody. Mm-hmm. Like whether you're sitting with your family or you're with your friends and maybe you're sharing a glass of wine mm-hmm. and having a great meal. It's like I tend – I know for me, I tend to eat heavier at night because that's when I'm the hungriest probably mm-hmm. because I'm not Exactly. Exactly. I was like, what does your breakfast look like? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, or does it look like anything? Right? You're like, it looks not like nothing. I'm not tr- typically hungry in the morning, you Right. Know? Well, if so- you have the large meal at night. Yes. You wake up. Me, like my dog. That's it's very interesting. My dog I had, mm. had accidentally. We both fed her. Mm. Um, so I fed her. She's a puppy, and then mm. my husband fed her. Mm. And she always eats in the morning. And I didn't. I thought something was wrong with her. So six a.m. in the morning, we gave her a food. She didn't touch it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, Sean! Mm. Like she's sick. And I was like, What did you feed her last night? He's like, I mm. did. And I said, But I fed her too. And that's exactly oh. what you're talking about. She did. And then two hours she- later, she ate. But. It was interesting just a puppy there intuitively eating because they were just like, no, I ate too much last night. Oh. I'm full. So that's why you're not eating in the morning. Oh, because I'm still full from the night before. Yeah. If you're eating mm-hmm. earlier at six, you'll be hungry in the morning. Right. You'll want to eat. You'll want to eat. Yeah. God, but it's just so fun to make it like a long lingering <laughs> dinner with wine. But you can still do that. You can right? still do that. It's just, you know, having breakfast earlier on, mm-hmm. you might notice like – Dinner isn't quite as big, and that's fine, you know? Now, how does alcohol play a part in all of this? That's a great question. So, obviously, this is all about listening to our cues, and when we introduce foreign substances, and Mm -hmm. I'm not – I have no opinions on alcohol or whatever. (laughs) I'm not, like, telling you that you have to stop drinking. But it is a foreign substance, right? Mm -hmm. And it is going to interfere with those cues. Mm -hmm. So, what I find for a lot of my clients is actually as they start to examine their relationship with food, they start to examine their relationship with alcohol, too. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes – what can happen is um, you start drinking, you have a glass or two or three, and then again, you're not as connected to those hunger and fullness Mm. cues and you might find yourself eating beyond comfortable fullness or using that as an excuse to eat in a way that maybe doesn't feel so good to you. So it will interfere with your cues. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I'll say about that. <laughs> I do find, I don't know if like when you had wine before or both of you, mm-hmm. you do, I almost feel like more hungry or something. Yes. Like I want to eat more, that, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's like the levels are off. Huh? Exactly. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good to know. Does this also count for tequila? <laughs> <laughs> yes, tequila is under that umbrella. <laughs> but what about the people? So, um, you know, I've had people in my life recently who was told by the doctor, like, you need to, you know, get, get lose a couple of pounds. Mm-hmm. So is there a way to, like, actually lose weight through intuitive eating, but also not make it such a negative experience? Because I have never heard of anyone losing weight that's like, I love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like, miserable. They don't like it. They're miserable. They feel deprived. Yeah, and, that's why um, it doesn't last. And then they go back again because they like, this sucks. I don't want to stay here. Is there a way mm-hmm. to in- stay a certain size through intuitive eating? So that's kind of the million dollar question. And mm-hmm. if I had an answer that was like, yes, you can lose weight and do intuitive eating, I'd be like a billionaire because that's right. what everyone wants. Like no one wants to be on a diet and everyone's trying to lose weight. So intuitive eating is a weight neutral model, meaning that weight is not the focus. So obviously when you go throughout this process, like three things could happen. You could lose weight, gain weight, or stay the same. Mm-hmm. And Whatever happens, I'm fine with it because that's your body's what I would call happy weight. That's what your body wants to do. So some people do go through this process and do end up losing weight. Maybe they were engaging in like binging behaviors and through those behaviors subsiding, their body loses weight. Fine. Some people might have been on the more restrictive side and their body needed to gain weight. Cool. That's what their body needed to do. So... Again, it's kind of the million dollar question that I don't have. (laughs) There's no like, yes, you can do both. Because again, that first principle really is reject the diet mentality, which is not focusing on weight loss. Mm, yeah. Interesting. Okay. Now, what about, because we hear it all in the press, Ozempic, you know, mm. Ozempic. Oh, <laughs> I was like, oh, I wonder oh, if they're bring oh, that up. Ozempic. <laughs> you know. We've never taken that, but we know a lot, a lot of people who have. Uh-huh. Yes. I even thought to myself, and that's again an eating you- disorder thought. I was mm. like, well, how bad could it, I don't mm. need to lose weight. So it's like, you know, but I thought, well, 
what's a few pounds? Right. How hard can it be? Because you see people losing weight like crazy on this Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. So is that something that you support that your clients take or how has that, has that changed your business at all? Or what do you feel about a Zempac? So a lot, obviously the clients that I work with are going through the intuitive eating process. A lot Mm -hmm. of them have histories of eating disorders. They're not active in that right now, Mm -hmm. but they have that history. And so I've, I've found a lot of my clients just saying that it's really triggering seeing a lot of that stuff all over the place. Um, obviously, it has its use. It's not really designed <laughs> to be for weight loss. And that's what it's being, you know, consumed as. And again, it's a very nuanced conversation. And I don't want to say that it's wrong for everybody. But I think the question is more, why do we all want to lose weight so bad? Right. Why do we want to lose five, 10 pounds, like what's, what's going to happen if you do go on and you lose 10 pounds, Mm -hmm. you know, like, why is that? Why is that so desirable for people? Like, that's kind of the bigger conversation. I think we all really need to have is like, we're kind of just taught as women, like be as small as possible, Mm -hmm. be quiet, you know, look pretty. And it's, objectifying mm-hmm. and yeah so i knew that i was like hope that i, I feel like that's going to come up yeah because uh, it's everywhere <laughs> yeah, but um right. I, I think uh, you can hear me stuttering because i'm like i don't want to say anything yeah. too controversial I mean, about I think, it I think, I think like anything you know i'm i'm a big believer in always natural but if someone is really struggling with obesity and they have tried everything and they need it to survive for their kids, mm-hmm. then I think things like that are, are, are wonderful. Thank God for science, right? Yeah. But it's this other sect of, of people like us and, in, and, and, you know, women who don't really need to lose weight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, they're just doing it for the last 10 pounds, the last five pounds, and they're doing it just to fit into society's standard of being thin because as we've been taught that thin is better mm-hmm. and you know it's an easy way to do it right, right. and yeah. we have to starve ourselves in a way mm-hmm. but like i don't even know why i want i always want to have the perfect body i'm always striving to have the perfect body and i have no mm-hmm. idea like what for like what's going to change am yeah. like is my family going to love me anymore am i going to be more successful yeah i mean right. there yeah. is like an aspirational thing to sure. it so right. i think that there is money sometimes attached to looking good mm-hmm. But the bigger stuff like love and acceptance and community, I mean, that doesn't really... No, but it also comes to to ego for a lot of people, right, too. It's Mm -hmm. like, okay, I look good. Like, I'm still, like, looking like this and that. Yeah. And I think it's, like, one of those things where we have to, like, also shut our ego a bit and, like, kind of, right? Like, just be comfortable with who we are, which I I mean, I'm certainly not all the time. We're all trying. (laughs) We're all trying to be. (laughs) No one's got it all figured out. It's going to almost take, like, a cohesive, like, it's it's starting now. Like, Mm -hmm. we're seeing it more in the media, you know, and people are really talking about it like we went to a broadway show last night oh, which yeah. was so refreshing i saw to see. that how was it six, six yeah it was, it was great. wonderful the women it was a bigger of all body shapes and, and sizes she was just oh, yeah. showing it all and it was so great and great. i said the first thing i said to roxy was like we should have brought our kids here yep because mm-hmm. i want them to see that and body positivity but you said it's changing and i do think it's changing mm-hmm. to what it was when we grew up in the 90s but i don't think it's all the way there no i no. still no. think we're you know it, it couldn't be all the way there look at ozimpic it's selling <laughs> yeah ass. no this idea yeah. of like oh you know when i posted this video Again, um, I, I told you of all these of all these videos in the past of, yes. of women th- of women who have like been put down mm-hmm. based on their body size mm-hmm. and like skinny is good and like get on the scale and Howard Stern saying you know and Nicole you you're a big woman why do you yes, wear that I saw that um, post and we go and, and so many of my comments are like well at least it's not like that now. Mm. And I'm like, Ozempic is sold out. <laughs> like, where are you living? Ozempic is sold yeah. out, and it's not just for people who yeah. need it. Right. You know? yeah. And people can't get their, uh, you know, diabetic medication. So yeah. it is, it isn't, it hasn't, it's an epidemic, and it still hasn't been fixed. Mm-hmm. The sad part is, I wonder if it'll ever truly go away. You know, like, that's the thing. It's mm-hmm. like, as long as there are people in power who have the option to hire this person or that person, even, even not even just in Hollywood, like, even in the business world, you know? like in New York, you know, New York working world or, you know, any city you mm-hmm. think of, like as long as there are people in power who are perpetuating it and keeping it going, is it ever really going to go away? Well, know? there's a lot of money to be made, right. right? It's what, a $72 billion industry, the weight loss industry. Mm-hmm. So if we all woke up tomorrow and suddenly loved our bodies, a lot of industries would lose a lot of money, right? you know? So I think I agree, you know, things are definitely getting better, but there's 
a long way to go. A long way to mm-hmm. go. Right? We were in Sephora, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I love this!" And I was, I, I, I wanted to buy everything, <laughs> and I didn't even know why. why. Yes. Like, mm-hmm. I have lip gloss. You know? <laughs> but suddenly like, I need like 10 more, right? I have the peach lip gloss. Yes. <laughs> you know? Or the one that's the silkiest or the this or. Yes. I just, it's, it sucks because it, it, it not in our lifetime. There's no way. No, there's no there's way. No I way. mean, you even look at like Egyptian times and they were, you know, still corseting their bo- right. bodies. It's just, it's mm-hmm. been around forever and it's always been women. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know? It's always been women. But how do we change the narrative for our kids yeah. and our daughters? You mm-hmm. know, I mean, what do you guys think about that? Like, how do we show them yeah, a different way? Eating? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's what is important place to start is teaching them that their worth doesn't lie in how they look. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about the magazines and the media that we kind of grew up with, Mm -hmm. I mean, I look back on some of those magazine covers and it's like, how to make your hair pretty, how to be pretty for boys, how to get them to like you. Everything is about looking pretty, being thin and getting boys to like you basically. So I think it really starts with teaching them that they have inherent worth just by existing, that they have, you know, goals and aspirations and what matters is what's on the inside. And then I think we can still talk about, we can still talk about nutrition, but it's how you present it. And I think you guys had, um, I know everyone by their Instagram handle, the kids eat in color. You had her on there, right? Yeah. And Mm -hmm. she has, I love her page. I think she does such Mm -hmm. a great job of talking about nutrition, but in like an age appropriate way. Mm -hmm. And in a way that's really supporting the body, right? Like, uh, I eat this so that I have energy to play and to grow and feel strong Mm -hmm. instead of being like, that has too many calories in that. Don't eat that. Mm -hmm. Like, that's going to make this big or making Mm -hmm. it about weight or shape or size. Yeah, and maybe not being like negative about our own bodies. In yes, front of them too, that's a right? huge one. Oh, I think I'm, that's, that's the one thing that I've done well. Yes, yes. <laughs> I haven't done I'm sure you've done many <laughs> things well. Give yourself more credit. You know, when I pick my body apart, which I still do, right. we all do, and I look in the mirror and I like I agonize sometimes mm-hmm. over it, depending on where I'm at in my life. Mm-hmm. I never do it in front of her. That's yeah. good. And that's yeah. like a yeah. big step for me. Like she's mm-hmm. never seen me that's big. do that. Mm-hmm. And I really try to talk about fat as a thing. We talk about it because they're at this age now where it's like, that person's fat, that person. I'm like, look, it's just, it's a thing. Like I have it and I like pull my fat out and dad has it. Dad's like, don't touch my fat. And I'm like, we all have it. It's just, it doesn't make you good. It doesn't Mm -hmm. make you bad. It just is. Yes. I remember she, a bully was teasing this other girl. She's like, you're a fat baba. And Phoenix like yelled, fat is just a thing. Don't you know that? Oh, that doesn't so make you cute. good or bad. Like, who cares? You know? That's huge. You should so feel really like, like really happy about, about that. that. Yeah. Just, my biggest goal is just for her not to. I just tell her all the time how beautiful her body. Well, it's hard because it's like you don't want to yeah, make it about the body. But I always tell her like, you have a beautiful body. You're so strong. Mm-hmm. You're so fit. You're so great. And she walks around all the time going, I'm the strong. You know, yeah, I'm yeah. the best. And so if anyone ever says anything about her, I'm just like, you're so great. But my husband says, because he comes from, he's 12 years older. He said, are you meant to tell your kids that they're beautiful? Because, you know, he says it all the time. He's like, you're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. You're so beautiful. And then when I grew up, that's what I heard from my parents. Mm-hmm. And then I focused so much on that. I was beautiful. like, oh my goodness, I have to be pretty. I have to be this. I have to be that. And if I'm not, then I'm not worth anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So it's weird. Like when I, when he says you're beautiful, I'm like, and you're smart and you're funny yes. and, you're this, and, you're <laughs> and these other characteristics for it. Yeah. you're not supposed to tell your kids they're beautiful or oh, I know, mean I, we usually like when I I do say she's beautiful but I sandwich it in a big um, sort of like way with other qualities like yeah. I also say at the same time like you're really smart or you know you're very you, you're respected you're mm-hmm. loved you're mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. you know you're amazing You the things that you say are important and they yeah. need to be heard you mm-hmm. know right. and things like that so we try to sandwich it and we do it at night with our um, the daily affirmations, yeah. Where you just say, you know, I, I she does say I am beautiful, but then mm-hmm. she'll usually say on the inside and out, you yes. know, and then kind of mix it in with that. Hopefully that helps. I yes. mean, right? I guess it'll be remain to be seen, but <laughs> and is it offensive because we've gone we've gone so far in certain things the opposite way? Sure. Is it offensive for a man to walk into an office and be like, oh, you look really nice today? 
Do you, and, and the funny uh, yeah. thing is, like, I think people have different responses. Right. To that. Yeah. Everyone because right. now it's like, don't say that. Right. Whereas, like, my husband came from the Midwest. Like, it's the nice thing to do if someone saw you to say, "You look lovely today, Roxy." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? right. And Roxy um, is also from a generation. Right. Right. We are that you'd you'd take that as a compliment. Right. Right. Sure. I wouldn't sure. be offended. No. By but it. if it was sure. twenty years younger, they maybe might, they would maybe. be. I think it depends on the delivery yeah. of it, right? Right, like, like you, you can, look good, right? yeah, like you can say you're really creepy, or you can say exactly that. Her podcast partner, look at you, exactly, exactly. But I think like it's always safe to just comment on something other than someone's appearance. Mm. But it's tricky because there's people that are like, I want someone to tell me that I look nice today, right? Right, And so it's kind of like, I always try to say like, oh, I'm so happy to see you or Mm. you seem really happy or your energy seems really high Mm. or something like that that's not like, oh, you look you lost weight. You look great, right. kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that is like, yeah. Talk about a reinforcement mm-hmm. of like a thought process, right? Right. And then, how about what happens when you stop losing weight and you gain it back? Right. Like all those comments go away, go away, right. and yeah. it's like saying so much without saying anything at right. all. Yeah. But I think it's so different from men because my husband has been actively trying to lose weight, and like, he loves it. Like when people go, "You look sure. so good," he's like, "Oh yeah." yeah. <laughs> His like, ego yeah. just like explodes. He's like, I'll post place mentioned it oh my gosh has it really been that much uh-huh. i didn't know and i'm like thank you, you for i don't noticing. know men are just I, maybe no, they're just not I, they don't feel anything the same as we do no like, and they definitely I mean, like, like our husbands didn't have disordered eating growing up they didn't sit there and like agonize in front of the mirror yeah. right i mean sean has some friends who have issues in that department like obesity mm. um and i'm sure that they are struggling but i think for the most part men right. didn't think of it like we had right. to. Well, I think the difference is that men didn't really grow up and men certainly have, you know, can have eating right. issues. Um, but I think the difference is that men weren't taught that their worth is how their body looks, right? right? It's kind of like a side thing, like, right. oh, they're they're powerful and right. they're a good businessman and they're whatever. These other successful. characters are successful. And, exactly. Yeah. Like that's what matters as if you're a man and then like if your body looks a certain way, they take it as a compliment. Mm-hmm. But it's not like their whole worth isn't wrapped up in that. In the looks right. department. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So interesting. Yeah. But that's why they have other, you know, we have to relate to that men also have issues if they're not successful enough. Right. Know? They got and their own stuff. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they don't care about like, you know, if they've got, you know, weight around their stomach as much, mm-hmm. but but they care about if they can provide for their families. Yep. It's just another form of stress. So I feel like we all just have to give everyone grace mm-hmm. that we're all kind of Mm-hmm. struggling with trying to figure it all out, right? We yeah. are. We are. We're just trying to navigate this crazy thing called life. Yep. Yep. You know? And I think that's important too with with the boom of body acceptance and seeing a lot more of that online. I think it's easy to see certain accounts, mm. you know, posting certain things and assume that they just love their body every second of the day. And it's like, how come I can't feel like that? And just right. remembering like everyone's a human. Everyone has bad body image yes. days. Like it's okay. We're all doing our best out here. Totally. So you just think like it's a sack of skin. Really? Right. Like yeah. there's so like, much really? other stuff going on yes. in the world. Just like all the time that can be put into something else, whether it's helping other people or mm-hmm. just reading about different anything like, any travel, <laughs> hobbies hobby, yes an yeah. instrument like mm-hmm. we're sacks of skin and we're like my stretch marks on my stomach don't I look know. good i'm gonna sit here and be in pain while they're yeah. microneedling not that i'm talking <laughs> from experience <laughs> which is so painful by the way microneed like putting needles in my stomach to get my yeah. stretch marks away for who for who for, for what yeah. it's not like i'm gonna be showing them anytime soon yeah. like mm-hmm. we are leasing these bodies they're not ours forever you know so it's like we need to be good to it right Mm because these are temporary houses like we're gonna have to give them up someday yeah you know i think it's about health for me just and and health is in many different areas Mm. also mental health yeah Um, exactly and i'm better though i i ate bread this morning which i would never (laughs) was it sourdough bread it was gluten-free okay like I love Get sourdough bread. <laughs> I've been gluten-free for 20 years and I do have issues with my stomach. Okay. But but when I go to Europe and eat bread, it's very mm. different for me. Mm. Gotcha. It really doesn't have an issue. I don't have an issue. I don't know. Sometimes I'm like, are these issues really my own? Mm-hmm. Are they issues that have been placed on me? Well, that's a tricky part of the conversation where yeah. we can have responses to foods that we eat 
that are based in intolerances and actual reactions. But then there's ones that we can have negative responses based on beliefs that we have, right? Like yeah. we all know the placebo effect right. is a thing. If we expect to feel bad when we eat X, Y, Z, is it really, is it that you have yeah. a thing or is it our beliefs about it? And it could be right. either. It could be both. It could be, you know, we, it's it's complicated, basically. It's complicated. It's complicated. It is complicated. And what do you do, last question, about like if you haven't – if you get those tests and they say you are intolerant to all these things mm-hmm. and you're also trying to practice intuitive eating, doesn't that go kind of against that? Because it's like you can't have all these foods because you're intolerant or mm-hmm. allergic or have issues with them. Mm-hmm. But then you're not supposed to think about food and kind of – Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, all of this is very nuanced and complicated. I will say a lot of those food sensitivity tests aren't really reliable. Mm-hmm. Some of them test for – um, IgG antibodies, which can actually be protective. If it shows up as high, it might not mean that you're actually reactive to it. Um, also, if you've been really restrictive for a long time, sometimes your body like loses the, abil- the ability to tolerate certain mm. foods. Like I did paleo for probably a year or two back mm. in 2014, and I had a piece of pizza and it felt like an alien was like going to come out of my body. And I was like, I don't know where it's going to come out of, but it hurts so bad. I was like on a train, like lying down. It was so painful. That's what would happen if I had pizza, I swear. Girl. be good. We need to start small bits for you. Yeah, little by little. Don't have like two slices of pizza. (laughs) You'll like die. (laughs) Two bowls of pasta. I'm like... Roxy, I can't get on this plane. <laughs> I'll now, eat it for you. I'll eat yeah. it for you. Now I can eat pizza. I can eat bread. I can uh, eat cheese. I can eat all of those things because I've reintroduced those foods. So it's kind of complicated where if I was working with someone, I wouldn't have them go do those tests. Obviously, like an allergy or celiac is like – is different because okay, that's and it's an a actual, blood test, right? Right, okay. right. Um, but through healing your relationship with food, you can kind of figure out, hey, when I eat this, I don't really feel so great. So that's honoring your body, right? Mm. If you don't feel good when you eat something, mm. it's not coming from a place of like wanting to lose weight or restriction. It's just like my body doesn't feel good when I eat this. So mm. I'm not going to have it. Yeah, that's good practice. That's mm-hmm. good practice. Oh, well, I'm thank so you glad. Thank you so we much. I'm glad that you didn't pass out. She's yeah. very pregnant, guys. Yes, yes. People. I feel like I, she's got her fan in her. <laughs> your baby could like literally pop out anytime soon. I know. It's crazy because I'm like, he could. They said he's measuring a head too. He's like five and a half or six pounds already. So I'm like, Listen, I had two 10 pound babies and I'm here to tell the tale. And you um, But they cut them out. So yeah. Okay, they're here. That's Sometimes the first baby, I'm, I, I was so like wanting to do a vaginal birth. Yeah. And then you know what? My only – I know you hate – people hate advice. My only advice is just have a plan and then throw it out. Yeah. yeah. Don't yeah. – Because, don't I mean, you know, stick. right? It's intuitive. You're just yeah. like – at some point, you – I wanted a home birth and I had a cesarean. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad I did because we were both here. And – that's just dude, your plan changes. You it's know? up to the higher power. Yeah, you know it, there are parallels with intuitive eating though, because it, you know we try to control so much, and then that makes you kind of out of control. Mm. So I feel like with pregnancy, it's like you 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 can only do so much, and then the rest is like <laughs> up to whoever. So do you know yes. if it's yeah, a boy or a girl? It's a boy. Oh Aww. my gosh! Any names? Realize it. Secret. It's a secret. <laughs> it's a secret. You'll tell us. You'll yeah. tell us. Yeah. Oh, well, Thank you so, so much for having you. Thank you so much. I so appreciate it. And where can everyone find you? Mm-hmm. Um, on Instagram and TikTok, Feel Good Dietitian. And then my website is laurencadillac.com. I'm going to keep that last name. Yeah. yeah. At least from my good. website. Yeah. So and guys, don't forget to rate, subscribe, and comment. We have Women on Top Official on Instagram. And Women on Top Podcast on Facebook. Women on Top Official on uh, TikTok and Women on Top on YouTube. Oh got a my lot. goodness. Woo! I am Tavin Sursog. And I am Roxy Manning. And we are talking to Lauren Cadillac. On. <laughs> and we are Women on, on Top. <laughs>